the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Packing Small Grain Silage When It Is Too Wet Can Be a Costly Mistake. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Mary Janowski, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Systems Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. Well, I'm happy to be here, Aaron. Dr. Janowski, you've worked with a number of producers looking at the opportunity to harvest small grain silage and done some research projects looking at when we see the moisture level of the silage going into the pit, then versus it coming out, how that impacts quality and shrink loss. Share with us some of that research and what you found. Yeah, so we worked with um, several extension educators, both on the beef side and the crop side, to help collect samples, as you mentioned from 17 different producers who were making small grain forages. And one of the things we did is took a sample as they were packing. And there was about 50% of the producers were kind of in our target range of 30 to 35% dry matter. And another 40 were too wet going in, less than 30% dry matter. So for those of you thinking moisture, right, that's more than 70% moisture. And the interesting thing was then when we looked at the energy content of that forage going in to the ensiling process and coming out at feed out, there was a huge difference in the energy value and the amount of change that happened. So those who packed it too wet lost a lot more energy in the fermentation process, mostly because they didn't get the right type of fermentation. They got more of the clostridial growth, which produces that really bad smell. (laughs) The butyric acid smells like rancid butter, right? But not all of them had really high butyric acid and still had a lot more loss, if that makes sense. So we're looking at silage that is coming out like at a 50 TDN. So not hugely different from straw, uh, maybe about 10% better in terms of feed value than straw on the energy basis. But it went in at 57, so something like medium quality hay. So that's where we went from medium quality hay to something close to straw. If they were within the target, they started out medium quality hay and they ended at medium quality hay because they only lost about three TDN units versus the eight that uh, those were too wet. So huge difference of making sure you're getting that silage at the right moisture. Talk a little about how this silage was harvested. What was taking place there? Is it a direct cut chop situation? Was it being wilted? A combination of those two? Yeah, it's a combination of those two. Um, So that's one of the questions we did ask, right, is did you wilt? And I did look at that to determine whether or not those who, it was those who direct cut that were more likely to miss the moisture target. And the truth is that there didn't seem to be much difference there because as you're forage matures, right? It gets drier. And milk and soft dough sometimes can be direct cut and be at the right moisture. The earlier phases, almost never, and I would say never is a pretty good word for it, never uh, can be direct cut. They have to be wilted. But even those who were wilting uh, were missing the boat and not wilting long enough. So I did look at those who wilted and hit the target. How long were they wilting based off of the stage that they harvested? So like boot to pollination. So right, the before the head's out up to um, the head is out and it's putting out those anthers or that, you know, 
yellow pollen. In that, it seemed like most of the producers who hit the target were actually wilting for 16 to 24 hours before they actually chopped. And so a lot of the ones who were missing the boat were somewhere less than that, if that makes sense. And then at soft milk or soft dough, uh, they either direct cut or they wilted for about two hours. So I think one of the challenges with this kind of scenario is obviously weather conditions can so drastically impact how fast that crop wilts. I mean, we can have, you know, 60, 70 degree days that are pretty high in humidity and in late May, early June, or we can have 90 degree days with 30 mile an hour winds. And that can really change how quickly that crop wilts. Yeah, exactly. I think wind speed, temperature, and relative humidity all affect how long it needs to go. But I'll tell you, we, we've been doing some research as well, where we were making small grain silages and, and I almost always overestimated how dry it was. And I think a lot of producers are doing the same thing. So one of the things that happens is that I think that top part of the windrow, for instance, dries out and you start getting nervous about it getting too dry and that stuff that's underneath is still sopping wet. And so when you mix it all up, you end up still too wet. So I think looks can be deceiving in some ways. We even pack some stuff and I was using a coster tester. So I was taking samples, trying to... Uh, predict how quickly it was drying and say, okay, this is, I think this is the timing I need. And I was still sometimes, especially boot and pollination, I was hitting it still a little bit too early and getting it a little bit too wet. So I think most people are probably erring on the side of, of too wet. And I think we can understand why, because you can always let it dry out a little more, but if it gets too dry, trying to pack that fluff gets pretty tough. Yeah, packing was a huge issue too. I mean, I didn't talk about it in this article, but we we also did some density sampling on bunkers and the average density on a dry matter basis was about five pounds. Our target, right, should be somewhere around honestly 17, but I'd be happy if we could get 10 or 12. Uh, I was just shocked at how unpacked even the wet stuff was if that makes sense so that's another challenge and i think when you add all the oxygen plus too much moisture it's just a, a rich disaster or opportunity for disaster if that makes sense um so i agree but i will say that i did look at there was about um there's a few people who got it too dry and honestly they didn't fare any worse than the too wet in fact they actually fared a little bit better in our energy loss estimates. So I think maybe we're a little more worried than we should be about too dry and not worried enough about too wet. One of the other things you looked at was the use of inoculants and the benefit of that. Uh, speak to that and how that might help us as we think about small grain silage. Yeah. So I, I kind of like to think of inoculants as insurance. I, I don't think inoculants. So I don't want people to think I can, I can completely mess up and use an inoculant and everything's going to turn out right. But I do think inoculants can help. And in particular, when we think about small grain silages, uh, we don't have as much of that really fermentable stuff like we do in corn silage. So getting the pH to drop quickly by having what rapidly fermentable stuff we do have going to lactic acid is really important. So what that means is that I want the right bacteria growing as quickly as possible. And 
adding some lactic acid producing bacteria can do that. And so in, when we looked at the effect of inoculants overall, there didn't really seem to be an effect, but then when I divided it into the groups who had packed it too wet and those who were on target, those that were too wet actually had basically about half the loss if they had inoculated than those that were too wet and didn't inoculate. So I do think there's a benefit there. There wasn't really any difference if they inoculated or not and had it in the right target dry matter, which was really interesting. But that's because they were only losing about three percentage units to begin with. And it's really hard to bring three down any lower, if that makes sense. So big thing there in my mind is that you want a lactic acid producing bacteria inoculant. So one that we call them homo affirmative is probably the ideal. You don't want the ones that have um, the bacteria that also produce acetic acid because we already get quite a bit of acetic acid uh, production in these forages normally. And so we're really trying to help the pH drop, which is mostly from the lactic acid guys. So in my mind, picking the right one is also very important to, to success. And so it's the lactic acid guys that we want. A couple of things you reference in the article also is resources that come from a conference that you put together last year focused on small grain silage. Speak a little bit to that and how those resources might help producers as they think about gearing up to harvest silage this year. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of really good content there. So so we do have a proceedings that's um, the written material, but I would say a lot of people probably would enjoy watching the videos. There's actually like short, like five minute videos that hit the highlights of a particular talk. And then there's the whole talk, which is usually, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. But the thing that that I think is is really useful is that there's there's one that really talks about, there's talk I did, which talks about when to harvest small grain silages. And that's really about just understanding how the quality and yield changes with the stage so you can select the stage or the maturity that works for you. Uh, but then the other ones that I think were really, really useful, um, there was one that's on the fundamentals of, of silage harvest management. And I know everybody thinks they know uh, what they need to do, but I would really encourage people to listen to that one. Um, she did a really nice job of reminding you of what you need to be focusing on to capture the feed value that you have at the beginning when you're actually putting it in. Because as, as we talked about, right, you there's a lot of money that can be lost in not just the energy loss, but you also have to think about just the dry matter loss that's getting burnt up and going off as CO2 um, when you're not actually getting the fermentation that you're looking for. And she really gets back to the fundamentals of, of making sure that you're doing things right. And then there's one more that I thought was really great. And we had the expert on inoculants talk. And so if you really want to know how to make sure that your inoculants are going to work for you, he did a really nice job of, again, reminding us of the fundamentals because um, those are live bacteria and you've got to handle things right to make them actually be effective. And so he talks about selection of inoculants as well as then how do you actually get it on there and, and do it in a way that you're going to get your, your bang for your buck, so to speak. So that was Lehman Kung. And there is nobody that knows more about inoculants than that guy does. Anything else on this topic you think would be valuable for producers as we point towards wrapping up? I think that uh, as we think about getting the moisture right, we want to think about getting the density right. 
And then you really need to think about when do I want to harvest? If you do not want to wilt, then you're going to have to delay harvest until at least milk. Um, So you know you're going to give up the high quality option, but you're going to get more yield. And that's okay. But I do think that that's one of the things that people need to think about is that do I want to try to cut it and wilt it and then come back and chop it? Um, or do I want to just do a direct cut? Do I want to get it off early because I want to do something else? Or am I okay going a little bit later? Typically, I, this year is not typical, so I don't know what this year is going to look like. But typically, you're talking about a range of about a month from boot to soft dough. So that's kind of the range that we think about. And each stage is pretty short, right? You're really you're moving along quickly. So most people, if they're shooting for one, they're actually hitting the next one uh, because you're three to five days between stages. So I think that's another challenge is that I get worried about people trying to shoot for soft dough and getting in too late um, and not having enough moisture. So I would say that that's another one. Timing is everything. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article we discussed today, Packing Small Grain Silage When It Is Too Wet Can Be a Costly Mistake.